Hello and welcome to episode 176 of First Geek 411. I'm your host, Cameron Franklin. And joining me this week is my best man, Chris Nicolay. Chris, how are you doing today? Why, hello, and I am toasty, but good. Yeah. Also experiencing a heat wave where it's warmer than Texas, Shanine, how are you doing today? Um, yeah, equally toasty. <laughs> and then I think also kind of comfortable weather, just like it is here. Emma, how are you? Very comfortable. <laughs> good old 75 degrees today. Can't complain. <laughs> and joining us, our special guest for this episode, author of Not All Who Wander Spiritually Are Lost. I had to make sure I put the spiritually in the right place and didn't mess it up like I did at the end of the last episode. <laughs> author Tracy Rhodes, how are you doing today? I'm good. We are wet, though. <laughs> Michigan is wet. Keeps raining. Send it our way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send it back west. Send it back yeah. west. Yeah, I'm glad to join you guys tonight. Yeah, super excited to have you on. We loved your book. Um, we have our most recent Thank book you. club on um, on our YouTube where people can go check that out. Um, I'm sure we'll be referencing it countless times throughout the episode today. Um, and we're going to get to know Tracy a little bit more in a moment. Just book club um, take two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week, um, we have Switchfoot. We have Strange Planet, we have more dongle news, Shang-Chi, and then we have a whole lot of Tracy Rhodes. And so, um, and then we're going to end with our top three books on faith that we would recommend. Listeners, as always, you can find us as OneGeek411 on our social media, um, Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram, got there. You can also join our Discord server if you want to chat with us between shows. And you can send us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. You can also check out our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com. You can watch live every Monday night, 645 on Twitch, and then be part of the post-show chat. And you can also find the videos over on our YouTube. And then you can rate and subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts and check out our Red Bubble store. Tracy. Super happy that you're here. Um, for people that don't know you or for us that kind of maybe mostly just know you from your book, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What's, what's like the, the elevator pitch for who you are? I know you go into a lot of that in the book, but. Sure, sure. Um, well, Tracy Rhodes is my name. My blog is tracesoffaith.com and I have written online since 2014. Um, was at the time I was doing women's ministry at my local church and already doing some writing that the women were reading. And I thought might be a little bigger audience that could read the different ideas that I had. And so I started writing online and traces of faith kind of gave me a big window of what, what I could cover topic wise, but I very quickly realized that my real passion was church, um, helping us get along. Uh, also the vast variety of church that exists. Um, part of blogging online was doing a lot of reading of other blogs. And I would come across different authors, many of who I call friends now, which is a blessing. And 
I realized very quickly, there was a whole lot of church out there that I didn't know about. And I experienced a lot of church envy. If the Catholics were lighting candles when they entered, um, stopping before a, a statue of Mary, I wanted to know what that meant. I wanted to know why they were doing it. Um, not just the reasons I'd been told <laughs> as a child, which were wrong, <laughs> but I wanted, I wanted to know the real meaning, um, the real devotion behind a lot of these um, spiritual practices. And so today I still write on my blog from time to time, but I do a lot of my writing and interacting on social media. My um, biggest place where I interact is Twitter. Um, ask a lot of questions. I've been active on there, real active on there for about three years now and just developed a very respectful place where people can talk mm -hmm. church, uh, learn a ton. I learn a ton every single day, every single week. And you can find me at Twitter and on there's two Twitter and Pinterest traces of faith are my handles, Facebook and Instagram, Traces of Faith blog are my handles. And then, as I said, my blog itself is tracesoffaith.com. Also, if you're a huge reader, I do have a Goodreads account, and that is my name, Tracy Rhodes. And finally, you can go to any indie bookstore or wherever you prefer to buy books and get the book we're going to talk about tonight. Not all who wander spiritually are lost. It is my first book and it's been fun to see the conversations that it has started. Yeah. Loved it. Um, one of the things that we like to ask our guests are what are some things that you're geeky about? Um, like that's kind of our point of context for our context for how, like we talk about our faith a lot. Um, so for you, what are some things that you're geeky about? Well, I, I don't consider myself geeky. I even looked up the definition <laughs> because I was like, maybe there's something like, I don't know about that, that makes me geeky, but I, I do definitely consider myself a nerd. And I think maybe they're cousins maybe. So when it comes to <laughs> exactly when it comes to to nerding out um it's it's very much uh scripture heavy i am a bible nerd um amazon prime last week had some specials and i picked up a new translation set um i collect i like I ask a question on Twitter and I have eight new books on um, context or the early church fathers or um, different uh, the the Hebrew language and the Greek language, new books that I have to explore. So as I say, maybe not geeky, but certainly nerdy. Um, and we'll talk about this with anyone who will listen. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, you mentioned some um, Amazon Prime finds. Let's go ahead and we can transition into some of our favorite things from this past week. And Tracy, we'll hand it right back over to you. Yeah, well, I mentioned the Amazon Prime. Um, the set that I got, the Bible set is called, Robert, it's Robert Alter, and it's the, a Hebrew Bible. So the Old Testament books arranged in the way that a Jewish reader um, mm -hmm. would read it and then commentary throughout and Alter has done his own translation comes highly recommended 
And then the second book that big book that I got during Amazon prime was, um, Africa Bible commentary and 70 different scholars from Africa have actually compiled this commentary. So again, offering some additional context and information about the scriptures. And then on a, a little lighter side, I had friends, um, in from out of town. I am from a small town in Missouri and I knew these friends there. And so they came and put a pop-up up in our yard and stayed with us for about four days. And the 20 some year old actually has a 15 month old little girl named Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And so I got to hang out with Charlotte, which was super fun. Cause I don't see babies very much these days. So <laughs> Charlotte was a hoot. She had her, uh, toes in the sand in Lake Michigan and enjoyed some ice cream. So it was fun hanging with Charlotte. That's awesome. Emma, what have you been up to this past week? Working, but that's boring. So <laughs> I finished Uncharted 3, which it, I started it maybe two months ago at most. So I was surprised when I finished it pretty neutral on it but that meant that I started Uncharted 4 and there's no more fixed camera which I'm pleased <laughs> about so far because I hate fixed cameras in games it suck um yeah enjoying that so far I started watching Infinity Train because it was a trend on Twitter and I hadn't heard of it and that's been kind of fun what's fun that about style it's like the episodes are super short they're like 11 minutes and it's basically just this girl who's stuck on a super long infinity train and each car is a puzzle type thing that she has to get through and she's just trying to get back home. Um, but apparently it was going to be canceled and oh. like fans of it are like, this should go on. So that's why it was trending. And so I started to watch it and it's pretty enjoyable. Um, yeah. And then I streamed some Danger Ocean Subnautica on Saturday, and that was fun. So, yeah, that's been my week. Awesome. Shanine, I see that you are, once again, not regularly watching anime. Yep, definitely not. <laughs> Proud <laughs> um, of you. Apparently, I just watch anime all the time now. We started <laughs> Demon Slayer. We're like three or four episodes in, and I'm not sure I'm completely hooked, but I am interested in the potential. I think it will go uphill. So it definitely goes uphill and then down, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband said the movie that just came out was like super excellent, and everybody loves it. I think so. it's like the number one animated, like, Japanese animation movie currently actually I think it surpassed I, I, I might be wrong about that but I, th I think that's what he said too that it's, it's made some crazy numbers for sure number one so yeah I think I think it'll get good what makes it so good though is the animation yeah he keeps talking about that too how it's like 3d animation but it looks drawn it's well it's like overlay it's and it's done so well so 
He's very nice. I'm just proud of you. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we started the surprise chapter of Phoenix Wright. And this chapter is very self-aware, which we've been enjoying. Because all up to this point, like, he's the attorney, but he'll go and, like, investigate the crime at the crime scene and like definitely things attorneys do and just like take the clues with him and yeah they've mentioned it like several times like you're drawing attention to us like we're not actually supposed to be at the crime scene and like you can't take that that's stealing (laughs) it's it's been fun that it's self-aware like that and I finished a couple of books this weekend and added them to my Goodreads. And previously I have primarily read fiction and maybe managed to read like one or two nonfiction a year if I force myself. Uh. And uh, so this year so far I've read 19 books and 10 of them have been nonfiction, which has never happened in my life before. Dang. Congratulations. How do you feel about that? I'm a little proud of myself <laughs> and uh, a little weirded out. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to just... <laughs> make sure we're following each other on Goodreads. Oh, yeah. I think we are. So, yeah, I've just found a lot of good nonfiction this year, I guess, mm-hmm. which is exciting. What's your other than book club? Um, which I don't even know if this would be the answer. But other than book club, what is your most <laughs> recent book that you finished reading? Um, what did I finish? I can't even remember. I finished, I think it's called Soul of the Fire. It's in a big fantasy, the Sword of Truth series. <laughs> I feel like I finished something else after that, but I can't remember now. So this is very much the difference between you and me. Is like yeah. it really shocks me that you could not tell me the most recent book that you finished, like which is with how I read books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. That was the one I finished. Mm-hmm. I was having a hard time picturing it because the book I own is like a collection of C.S. Lewis, so it wasn't like one book that I, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it was. It does make it harder if you can't see the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, exactly. I, yeah, I don't always <laughs> like it when they put three or four books together like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No compilations for that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That gets me. It's actually one of the books that I'll bring up later, but I lost the sleeve for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the cover is just black. Like it's just it's labeled on the on the um fine. Spine, thank you. I was thinking rib and I'm like there's no way I was way so that's scared correct. you were going to show it early. <laughs> And I was like, there's no way it's a rib. Um, Yes. We got to keep the suspense going. Yes. And so, um, but yeah. And so like, I was trying to like find books to talk about for tonight, like off my shelf. And I'm like, I'm missing things. Like, where are my, where are my books at? And so, but then I was able to at least find that one. But Chris, what have you been up to? I, since I've been on the go all week and weekend i've just been listening to a lot of podcasts um most notably i i did listen so they released two episodes this week which was crazy they just started um but avatar braving the elements um which is wonderful featuring dante basco and janet varney 
um, the voices of Zuko and Korra, respectively. And, well, and also Iroh. Young Iroh in Legend of Korra. Oh, I was like, <laughs> what? It's, it's literally just Zuko voice again. <laughs> it's like, what? what? When? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and it's off to a really good start. Can't recommend it. If you are a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender or anything from the universe, definitely worth a listen. It's really cool listening to it from the voice actors' perspectives and their experience um, um, in recording them, uh, for one, but also like uh, kind of not actually knowing the overall plot and just kind of voice acting the characters um, from their perspective. Uh, but also for the second episode, they did have the uh, creators of the Avatar universe on to talk about kind of their overall experience, and it's wonderful. Um, so two episodes currently. Excited to see what else comes out. Um, and because I ran out of other things to listen to uh, for the most part, but I'm also enjoying uh, Annie F. Downs's That Sounds Fun podcast, the Annie of Summer specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw her. Friday. Oh yeah. Can you introduce one of, so one of to- <laughs> my goals in life is to be on that sounds fun. So yeah, it's like literally too. one of my bucket list. Mine things. too. Let's do it together. Okay. I accept. <laughs> Everyone email her at once. Okay. We're going to all email yes. her. We're all going like, to You may be joking, but I am all in on this. No, idea. <laughs> we could put her right here. It's all, it almost be like a Brady bunch then, right? Yes. If we had, yeah. 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 Number there, six. We put her right next to Shanine. I'll send her a message. It was good. It was really fun to see her live. Yeah, it was neat. Hmm? Yeah, she can either, awesome. either either she's on ours or all of us are on hers. <laughs> she, she can pick. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Emma, <laughs> we'll put you in charge of that. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to manage my too many other things right now. That would not happen if I'm in charge. I, I bet Annie could talk some geek stuff, I bet. Annie? I feel like she could. Yeah. I feel like she definitely could. Mm-hmm. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, her Enneagram summer is it's just it's enjoyable, right? This this year they're focusing on um where each of the numbers go in shoot. <laughs> Heat sucks. Um kind of mm. when they're stressed and when they're uh, healthy. Healthy. Well, it's not healthy and unhealthy. It's just stressed and thriving, I guess. Oh, yeah. When they're thriving. Because it's it's not bad to be stressed. It's just where you go. <laughs> they, they I have like these all loaded episode. up on mine, and I'm waiting to just binge them. I mean, like, I think that's they're gonna... pretty much done. They're all there. Yeah. Like, at least like all the numbers of... are. But... Um, so uh... I've been doing that. And also, uh, oh, I started... My PS5 came last week. I wasn't sure I was going to get to play it, but I got to play some Ratchet and Clank, and that game has no business looking that good. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. That game is way too good looking for a Ratchet and Clank game. <laughs> um, and then I also started watching the Netflix anime Godzilla Singular Point. We haven't seen Godzilla yet, but it's weird. Um, <laughs> it's enjoyable. Not, I, I'm only a couple episodes in, so I don't know too much about it yet, but I'll give those thoughts later once I have finished it. I hope. Yeah. 
then for me, um, obviously book club last week, I had prime day stuff that arrived as well. Like my new fancy lights that I can like go bah, 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 and it gets really bright. Um, now you and just need so, to be able to actually control the exposure on your camera. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and so now there's just all these other things that I have to get figured out, but I feel very fancy like, um, and so, um, that's always a lot of fun. And then I accidentally beat God of war on stream yesterday. Um, in the sense that like, I thought I had a lot more and then like I was getting ready to stop and then like accidentally was at the final boss fight. Ah, and I was just like, Oh, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> um, so that was great. I'm going through now and doing side stuff. Um, and loved it. I'll probably have more thoughts later on on it after I've um, after I've actually like platinumed it. And then we started watching Sweet Tooth. Have any of y'all seen or heard of this? What? Why yeah, are there? I why are about there? This a few weeks ago. I started slash like got halfway through the first episode. Okay. I didn't realize there was videos of my karaoke groups performing. <laughs> 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 So this is like a weird, like post-apocalyptic, but there's also like human animal hybrid, hybrid mills. Yeah. Hybrid babies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we're like legitimately halfway through. Um, I think we finished episode four out of the eight and it's definitely picking up and it's very interesting, but it's also one of those shows that I'm like, man, I could not binge this. Like nah. it's, I definitely am enjoying like my one episode and then we're going to just talk about it and like sleep on it and then come back the next day watch another one um i've been enjoying it but yeah it's definitely pretty weird um in a good way weird um apparently it's based on a graphic novel so i feel like it's suited more to the graphic novel realm probably is <laughs> we we know what how live action adaptations <laughs> from drawn or animated circles goes <laughs> <laughs> so that is what we've been up to listeners let us know um you can do that in the comments or over on discord social media all those places where you have been up to um and we can chat about them some so let's go ahead and get into our discussion topics um or each week we just bring something that's been on our mind something we've been thinking about um and this week tracy we'll start off with you yeah i I don't know if I played this game right. <laughs> there's, there's honestly, you, you the, told the, me there were no rules. Yes, the, there, one of the, no the biggest things about First Geek Four Eleven is that there are literally no rules. And so, like, <laughs> if you want us to go on a giant tangent, like we're going, we're going we on this journey together. Um, All right. Well, uh, news is the angle that I took, and I receive emails, but also on Twitter some on Facebook too, when an article hits from David French on Twitter, he's David A. French. I'm going to read it. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like he has his finger on the pulse of the evangelical world right now. Um, I even in discussing one of his articles with a friend, I even used the word prophetic. Um, I, I just feel like he gets what's going on. I feel like he's at a place in his career where he's not afraid to say what needs to be said. Um, just like I could binge read David French's column. Um, 
And then if it's not evangelical world, I'm kind of like, eh, okay. So I um, jotted down just a quick quote so that if the evangelical world is something that piques one of your listeners slash readers interest, here's a taste. The role of the people of God in political life is so much more difficult and challenging than merely listing a discrete subset of issues, even when those issues are important and supporting anyone who agrees to your list. The prophet Jeremiah exhorted the people of Israel to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. This is a difficult, complicated task. We can't reduce it to a list. And that's David French. He writes for um, the dispatch out of, out of DC. And I, I pulled up his, <laughs> his Twitter. Um, and I just got to say, I didn't even read who had said this, but I just saw that he has in quotes, a real problem. And I'm like, you have my attention. And then that was also said by Rush Limbaugh. And so I was like, okay, you definitely have my attention. Okay. Yep. Um, but um, we've kind of been talking about that lately, like just at home about how like so much of like, especially like American politics. And I'm sure this is the case for the rest of the world too, but we see it through our like American lens. Um, it just seems like we're just arguing about bullet points. Um, and like, people aren't like thinking about things. It's just the, like the, we've talked about a lot. It's like that, like the one issue voter kind of thing where it's just like, yep, this is my one thing and literally nothing else matters. Cause it's this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, in most areas, I stopped seeing the world as completely black and white mm-hmm. <laughs> a long time ago. Um, and, and I think that's what he is good at pointing out. Um, let's consider that there's some gray area here and, um, you know, very similar to what I said in the book, you can sit five people on a pew and you have five different opinions if you hit the right topic, right? Um, we're just, we're not clones that are all agreeing with everything. Thankfully. Yeah. 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 Um, and will you drop that Twitter bio just one more time or handle? For yes, is, um, David A. French. He's got the middle initial in there. Okay. Um, yeah. Emma, what do you got for us? Yeah. Okay. Right. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Diehard Switchfoot fan. As you're wearing a Switchfoot shirt. I, as I say, wearing a signed Switchfoot shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, have been for going on 12 years now. Um, and they just recently announced their. The release date of their new album along with a name and tarot bang which is like the question mark explanation point combo um it's coming august 20th and i'm super excited this is like album i don't know 12 13 for them um and we've gotten two singles and they're really changing it up for this album pulling some kind of beatles tricks slash how downs. dare they I know how dare they, but <laughs> for a band that's been around since like 98, like they are not afraid to change things up, especially since their last couple of albums have been sounding pretty similar to each other. Um, so I'm excited. And just from the 
two singles we've gotten. It's going to be a great album. And yeah, um, that's about that. <laughs> that's just my news. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> excited Everybody, for more music. I know it's been a, has been a 2020. It what, was a what was everyone's last concert? Ooh. I mean, technically, the fine concert. Been doing live streams. So. <laughs> I don't remember. Like, Probably a, a safe bet is Switchfoot. Safe bet. You're going to ask because I go to symphonies, I don't do concerts okay. <laughs> very often. Yeah, I haven't been to a lot of concerts. Definitely been to the symphony more recently. Mm -hmm. Symphony and I mean, like block parties. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if that counts. You got the opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> They're not very opposite in. in it's just Can't you like everything. The last symphony was Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. It's one of those two. Tracy, what about you? Oh, I was going to pass on this question. Oh. Um, I I actually listen to country and Western. And so I was super excited during quarantine when Grand Ole Opry went <laughs> live stream. So we, we definitely watched our share of Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. <laughs> and I think my last concert was Dwight Yoakam. So... I have been in the symphony once. <laughs> yeah. so I'll say as a Texan, there was a significant portion of my life where I was listening to country music. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. We found our yeah. common ground. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> like college, that's all you listen to. Okay. You can attest to this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Road okay. tripping with them was rough. <laughs> yeah. Now I just road trip to 500 miles on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> I think our most recent concert was the Jonas Brothers when they were in mm -hmm. Dallas, um, which like is probably like the only concert I'd have been to in the past, or, like in-person concert I'd been to in like the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I don't listen to a lot of music. And I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I just listen to more and more podcasts and less and less music. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've just never been a big concert person. I like smaller venues. So mm, like, if someone's definitely. performing in a coffee shop, I'll probably show up. Yeah. Um, I guess last summer I could have went to the Freedom Concert here in Helena that broke all the COVID rules. <laughs> Understatement. Yeah. <laughs> then again, that's Montana for you. <laughs> Shanine, what do you got for us? Okay, so if if you have ever been on the internet, <laughs> chance, chances yeah. are good that you have seen the Strange Planet comics. So those great, cute little alien guys. So great. Um, using using weird words for the best normal <laughs> things, and so the creator Nathan Pyle is teaming up with Dan Harmon of Rick and Morty and Community Fame to make an animated show for Apple. Blech. Which means I probably won't get to watch it, but <laughs> right? it's still cool that they're making it. 
this is like i'm super excited i love strange planet and so i'm also a big fan of dan Harmon's works um except for rick and morty i don't care about that um but community mm-hmm. definitely his best work community well i did not know that was the same person yeah he, he i mean he's done a lot of things also he did a for is it rooster teeth i don't know for one of the weird streaming services he did do a D thing um harman quest uh which moderately inappropriate but good humor and it, it's good pacing um but it, it's an enjoyable D watch if you're into that sort of thing um but yeah communities though still top notch best writing <laughs> So is this a strange planet show or is yes, this just yes. a, okay. 10 episodes. Okay, 10 episodes. Okay. That's what I want to make sure I understood from what you said. Um, that it was that it is not just them making something up, but it is the strange planet with the aliens we all love. Yes. Yeah. It'll be those alien guys living on an alien planet <laughs> doing life, doing earthling things. <laughs> <laughs> The planet was in this position when you came into existence. <laughs> Congratulations. One of my favorites, I, I just Googled and I had to find one of the ones. It's the, the last night in a, uh, in a semi-conscious state, I imagined you betrayed me. When I awoke, these imagined events made me suspicious of the real you. What an in- international reaction, truly. And yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one too. Because it's true. I'm mad at you. Why? And I had a dream and you were mean to me. (laughs) Chris, what do you got for us? So I've been talking about this for the last few weeks, um, just kind of getting ready. But we officially have seen, uh, know what Windows 11 is all about. And it is called Windows 11. Surprise, surprise. But uh, the full redesign, so what we saw previously was a very rough version, and we and it's obviously been polished since the, the leaks, um, but we're seeing a centered taskbar um, kind of things. But one thing I really want to bring up is that Windows 11 is going to run Android apps. Native. I like that. I love that so much. Um and uh, they're they're opening up their their store to be kind of like a all-in-one marketplace. So once they have the agreements, right now they're partnered with uh, the Amazon App Store, but ultimately they're not trying to make you. They, they want you to use their App Store, but ultimately it's just going to connect you to the app stores that are available on it. So possibly Google Play. And whoever else for you, to, and it'll just connect it, but you'll just access it through the App Store, uh, the the Windows Store, mm-hmm. or the Microsoft Store, which is going to be awesome. But yeah, you're gonna you get you get you get a swipe through TikTok on your next gen Windows tablet. Um, so what I took from that is not only can I use Edge to download Google Chrome, but I can now use the the Windows Store to download the Google Store. Well, it's gonna can like it. They haven't. They don't have agreements with Google yet, 
So that's why they're starting with Amazon because Amazon <laughs> has agreed, which is just pretty much a minimal ver- version of the Google Play Store because it is Android based. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, definitely interesting. They're definitely moving away from trying to force us to use all their stuff, which is a big plus. Um, there are certain things that are still running native uh, from the get go, uh, but nothing crazy as of yet. Um, and it looks like there's going to be a lot of customizability. Um, so there's some cool features about like, so for those who are running monitors off their laptop, um, that'll instead of the weird mess you get when you disconnect and reconnect your monitors, it'll actually remember where your apps were and put them back when you reconnect your monitor. Super nice. Um, and the windows, the windowing <laughs> feature is, is a lot, uh, a lot much more improved as well. Um, something that all operating systems have been struggling with. Although the funny part is, is they, they, they said some things that just aren't true during their event, um, saying <laughs> this is the only operating system that does this while the feature yeah. has existed in like Linux since 2000 wait a big corporation that's not completely honest chris surely this has never happened before or just maybe the speaker was unaware (laughs) (laughs) which is understandable not everyone's familiar with linux i get that that's that's a that's a very nerdy operating system and not everyone understands it but they do exist uh, but yeah, there's some, it, it's exciting. Uh, although it's only going to like work on essentially processors that have been released within the last five years. So if you have anything older than that, you will have to upgrade your hardware prior to upgrading, but it will be a free upgrade if you run Windows 10 coming October. And I feel like they should give you a kickback. <laughs> like, I felt like that was a little mini commercial. Yeah, yeah. I hey, always, that's right. Microsoft sponsor us. Yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I did criticize Any them right doubt. there in the middle. Of now, Microsoft. <laughs> yes. Tracy, this is why we need you on more uh, more often. Is that you? We just need you to be our marketing person. Dream big. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. You just gotta interact a ton with mm-hmm. Tracy on Twitter until we start getting all those followers in, and then eventually those <laughs> yeah. those big names are gonna start seeing us, and we're gonna be like, yo. <laughs> we do this thing i took a screenshot earlier so i can say i knew you win <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah super exciting things coming with windows 11 mm-hmm. uh official launches october um and we'll know a little more uh, a lot of the features a lot of the testers haven't actually had a ch- full chance to fully play with um but from what i can tell it just as I've mentioned, I think they just had to start over because Windows 10, they just couldn't modify Windows 10 for what they wanted it to at this point. So Windows 10 is no longer officially Microsoft's last operating system. So that's what I got so, because yep. I felt like I had to include some news. <laughs> Everyone else brought some. <laughs> So for me, we also got the drop of the latest Shang-Chi trailer. I believe it dropped during book club. How dare they it did. announce <laughs> things when we're busy recording book club. Um, and so Shame we, on them. Yeah. So we get to see a bit more of the world, a bit more of um, what the, what 
everyone's gonna be up to we get to see like fighting with the rings um about what i which pictured is, yeah um yeah so i'm really excited have y'all all had a chance to read to see the trailer i said read the trailer wow um no this to is see the first the hearing of it <laughs> so it was a really good trailer not gonna lie i am so excited for this movie um i feel like they have got it's got like really cool like old-fashioned kung fu elements happening in it um and they probably would like if like i picture some of the things happening in this and it's so much better than bending in avatar the live action um there is no live action <laughs> i know um and also we got to see some like cool cameos possibly um mm -hmm. like Wong from Doctor Strange is somewhere in there. Along with Abomination from the original Hulk movie that has right. not been seen in the MCU in 12 years. That was what? 2009? Yeah. Because Iron Man was 2008. And that happened right after. So mm -hmm. 2009-ish. Something like that. Um... Tracy, are you a Marvel fan or MCU fan? I am not, but my husband and my daughter could both jump in on that conversation. Very, I mean, I've I've watched a few of them when they have, but yeah, they, they're going to be the experts in the household. As long as you got those geeks in the family somewhere. Yeah. That's all that yeah. matters. Yeah. They, they exist, I assure you. Yeah, I know. I've been taking notes as we're talking. I'm like, oh, my husband will be so excited to hear about this. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are, you're giving me good tips. See, now you get to just like, when you get off, you're like, oh, I heard about this thing that you're like. Yeah. And you get to yes. be the one to bring the yeah. news. I'll try I'll try to sound like I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what we got for our main discussion topics this week. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, we're gonna do a special discussion topic seg segment um, with Tracy, kind of getting to pick her brain, um, ask thoughts about the book as a whole, um, and um, kind of just, yeah, see how it goes. And so we have some questions pre-written, um, and then we'll have some, I'm sure, that will come up oh, as we go. I didn't write go. any down. I have them in my head, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so He didn't uh, want me to see him ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. Had, had, I'm all about that lightning round. Just Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> So I'll kick us off with one. Um, this is one that was not in the notes till you were talking about it earlier, Tracy, and it got me thinking. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the challenges um, in general with maintaining a blog? Like you said, you've been writing that, I believe you said since 2014. Um, so like, what were some yeah. of your like challenges? What were some of your big wins like when it came to um, writing and maintaining a blog? Yeah, I would say the biggest challenge is just the learning curve. Uh, you can only be good at so really good at so many things. And so if you're a good writer, then perhaps the design element is going to be a challenge for you. Um, you constantly see these people that are like, I make $40,000 off of my blog, you know? And so you're like, what am I not figuring out here that, <laughs> that somebody else has? So the um, figuring out the actual design of the blog and then how to take a good picture 
And if you don't take pictures, then where do you get the free pictures? And all of those things. And then you get to a point where whenever you would post one blog, you would actually go to social media, et cetera, and post it in about six other places. Mm-hmm. And so there, the task list just grew and grew. So I would say those um, were some of the challenges. My favorite part about blogging are the, the people that I have met. And that is both readers and writers. When I first started writing in 2014, I didn't know a single writer, not a single person in real life that was an author. And so it's been fun for my writing circle to grow and to then support them and to celebrate the successes and to know whenever you have those rare successes that somebody's celebrating with you too. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that's certainly been a huge reward of it. And then you also mentioned kind of like shifting from going from being a blog to doing a lot more social media stuff. What have been, what would have been some of the success stories or some of the fun things that have come from that? Yeah. I, like I say, I, I still think it's important to, um, put posts on the blog from time to time. The shift just kind of happened as blogging changed. Mm-hmm. I think, um, there, it, inst- and I would say too, that over the seven years, social media interest has changed where my audience would have been initially on Facebook. Everybody got mm-hmm. mad on Facebook because people wanted to talk politics all the time. And so now it's like the happy people went over to Instagram. Mm-hmm. And when you go to Instagram, then there's these lives. So I just bought like a tripod for my phone um, so that I can do, you know, recordings from time to time. Um, and again, Instagram went back to very picture perfect world. And so I had to work on, um, on pictures again. And then I found this little world called Twitter. And whenever I first started on Twitter, I would just share a blog post and and like, literally I thought Twitter was where you went to follow celebrities, you know? So if, um, I'm a big Tigers fan. So if Miguel Cabrera was on Twitter, then you would go follow him on Twitter and you would see that he ate tacos for lunch. And then they were going to go to San Francisco to uh, play some baseball, you know? Um, And so whenever I, I can't, I wish, you know, sometimes in life you wish you knew that something significant was happening on a certain day. So you could be like, this was the tweet. This was the day that everything turned around. But somehow or another, I started finding these people who wanted to talk church. And it amazes me because I don't have, I have a bachelor's degree in communication and a a super nerdy interest in church and Bible. and, And that's it. And these people are, I mean, Shanine knows they're, they have doctorates in theology, you know, and I'll say something sometimes like the other day, I referred to one of the um, church councils from like the first two or 300 years of the church. And I referred to the church council at Nicaea. And instantly I had like five people be like, no, it was the council of Trent, you know, Mm -hmm. I had it wrong, but it somehow or another, it it works. um, And I hear all the time that I have created a respectful place to talk about church. People know that they're not going to be able to come in ready to, you know, argue and, 
and be hateful. I mean, we, we will shut that right down the whole, um, the whole community that has, has formed around these church questions that I ask. And it's just kind of understood. And that has created a different kind of place. Now, when I do my writing, it's more long form for um, a hopeful book um, <laughs> someday or for, for this book that I have published already. Or I have written a number of um, magazine articles different essay submissions, that kind of stuff. And so that's what my writing looks like these days, a little different, but yeah, this social media, that's, that's been a journey for sure. And Twitter's my happy place. Shanine, <laughs> um, you want to go through some of your questions? Okay. Um, so in your book, you talked about playing church at Mount Olive, which I'm just like picturing little Tracy up at the front. And I'm like, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Um, and you, you talked about like doing a little altar call as you were playing and stuff. And, but also said, altars have always held deep meaning for me as the place where I do my most important work with God. And I was wondering if you'd be able to tell us a bit more about what an altar is, because I think a lot of churches, they know what an altar call is, but they don't necessarily know what an altar actually is. Yeah, I liked this question. Um, I, I'm going to back up just for the sake of the audience who maybe hasn't read the book and say that in this book, I tell my church story from the beginning as a baby to now. And along the way, I have different experiences with the church up the road, which is Mount Olive, the church that I attended as a child, which was a country Baptist church. But then along, also along the way, I see um, I, my best friend in high school was Catholic. Um, I moved to St. Louis surrounded by all things Catholic. Um, I dated a boy in college who was Nazarene. And so I see all of these other traditions lightly touching me um, as I go through life. And then whenever I started um, blogging, when I started reading more, more widely, it's like the floodgates just opened and I found all of these different churches and was so curious about all of the different experiences that people had had. And so I write about that journey personally, but I also invited 16 of my friends, some are writers, some are friends. Uh, it's, it's fun looking back at that list and thinking through where, where they all came from, but 16 individuals tell a part of their church story in the book. And one of the things that has been really fun is hearing different people say, oh, I related to so-and-so the, mm -hmm. the most. That, that story was like my own. Or um, in, in book club, Shanine mentioned that my story was so much like hers. Um, so it, that's made it fun to feel like a lot of people can relate um, to, to different parts of the, of the book. To answer your question, um, alter... I tried to take that word back to its very um, basic form 
And in its most basic form, it is a place where offerings and sacrifices are made. Now, often in um, the churches that I'm familiar with, an altar will be a raised platform. And in the Old Testament scriptures, um, for example, when they built the tabernacle and when they built the temple, altars were raised um, like tables, right, where they would sacrifice the animals. But I love the figurative imagery there, too, that, as I said in the book, some of my most momentous um, faith moments have happened there at the altar where I was bringing a sacrifice, right? Where I was offering myself um, or my, my problems at the time or what have you to God. And so that's kind of where I was going um, with that passage. And it, um, trying to think about answered both parts of your question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as the meaning, um, the, the book goes into that a couple times. I feel like there have been altars all along the way in different churches that I have attended. And in the church where I attend now in, it's a medium sized church, um, in, a small town in Michigan. And I remember one of the very first Sundays that I was there, I was, you know, moved by a sermon or the song at the end or something. And, and God prompted me, he's like, you know, where to do work, you know, you know, you know, where we do this work. And so I went up, we do not have altar calls in my church (laughs) and it's only happened three or four times, but, um, with my pastor's blessing, I I will go up and just pray kind of on my own after a church service if I feel led to do so. So my first question for you, so having experienced different um, forms of of our Christian traditions um, and the sacraments, what would your perfect Sunday service look like? Oh, that's such a great question. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it's going to happen in heaven. I don't, (laughs) I don't know that we're going to pull it off here, but I, I wrote a blog post once just envisioning what a perfect Sunday service would look like. And it's very piecemeal, right? I'm standing next to the Pentecostal who worships so freely and I'm taking communion with my Catholic brothers and sisters who I'm not able to take communion with um, the way things are now. Uh, I, have, I have a Lutheran next to me who's also more than happy to take wine for communion. Um, the first time I took communion, it was with a ELCA church, uh, or the wine for communion, I'm sorry. Cameron, I think that was um, a story that you told too, maybe <laughs> during book club about uh, taking wine, maybe not knowing that yes. that's what you were, oh, yes, were I was doing not, at the time. I was not aware that it was going to be wine. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I had a similar experience, um, with, with the Lutherans a few years back. Uh, so yeah, just like, you know, some icons in the room so that my Orthodox brothers and sisters, our Orthodox brothers and sisters feel comfortable 
um, probably need a few moments of silence for the Quakers because they have uh, an amazing worship service that is mainly silence. So yeah, just that incorporation. Um, and then to, to expand it, um, be more than happy for an African-American to come up and sing a traditional spiritual from, from their um, history as well. So yeah, just, I, I, and I'm serious about this. I don't understand why we don't long for that more. Um, it, it's, Christianity is full of amazing traditions and amazing, um, worldwide approaches to worshiping Jesus. And I don't understand why we don't want to experience all of that. I've got a fun <clears throat> question. Go for it, Emma. That I was just Emma. thinking of um, through, it kind of connects to your book as a whole and your life of like going through these different, you know, church exposures and experiences, but in my family, we have this phrase called a thin place, um, where it's basically referring to a place that we out in the world that we feel like the space between heaven and earth is super close. So it's like a thin mm -hmm. place where we feel like God is super active. So it can be like um, someplace in nature or at like a retreat where we feel this spirit working or like just someplace out there where we feel like we like this place is closer to God than a lot of the world. So I'm just wondering, like, obviously in many situations, a church or a sanctuary is going to be, is going to feel like a thin place for a lot of us in who are living our faithful lives. But for you, has there been any places out in the world that you've sort of experienced that kind of connection of like a closer sort of thin place to God that may have been surprising or just as just at all that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not going to be very surprising, but um, as you're describing it, <clears throat> the the place where I say where I would say I felt one of those moments, a, a thin place moment, um, was the Sistine Chapel. Uh, hmm. When I went to the Vatican, um, I went by myself to Italy when I was in my mid-20s and decided that I was going to um, go go see the Sistine Chapel. And it, those of you who have been there, you start out in like a museum of sorts and you walk and you walk and you walk and you can't see what's ahead of you. Like you round corners and you go into to rooms that are, you know, just a small door. And every time you're like, oh, this is gonna be it. And it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how long I walked for sure, but finally I walked in and I knew that was it. And it, it was so beautiful. And you want to ask the people to leave um, beca because you need a moment, right? In the um, holiness of Everyone that place. And they, <laughs> and they, of course, don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, what a what a special place. Yeah, I, I would say that was one. Um, and, and I'll tell one other story. 
there was uh, oftentimes when I go on vacation, I will find a totally different place to worship, um, prefer a tradition that maybe I haven't tried to or haven't gotten a chance to visit yet. And we were up in northern Michigan one time and I went to um, an Anglican church. The first I've been to Episcopalian churches, but this was the first truly Anglican church that I had attended. And I emailed um, it's a, a female priest. I emailed her ahead of time to let her know I was coming. Um, it's always always try to be respectful, kind of a good idea. So that, especially in this case, cause there were 12 individuals in attendance and I was mm-hmm. number 12. Um, so they would have known I was visiting, but anyway, um, the congregation was very elderly and whenever she came to talk to me to just kind of, you know, explain the role that, that she plays and the story behind the church and stuff, I remember um, so, so clearly she said uh, uh, most of my congregants are older. And so I, I have realized that my job is to help them across the veil. That's what she called it. And so thin veil, when you said that definitely brought that to mind too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, um, I think that's what I love the most about church that there are people like this faithful woman who um, is serving in such a beautiful way. Um, These people who are in their, you know, final, I don't know, 10, 20 years of life. um, And she's going to be there with them through every step. And she doesn't do it because she wants the numbers to be big. (laughs) She does it because she's faithful and um, knows that's where God has called her. So that, that was a really beautiful memory too. I know for me, like one of the things that like, so I, I'm, I grew up church of Christ. That's where I've attended most of my life. And we're very low church. Um, and like what you're talking about, like the Sistine chapel, like I remember like the first time I went to like a large, like cathedral type thing and just being like, mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. Like, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's so like, even like with it being like, not even like a formal time of worship. Like, I remember like, it it was like my freshman year of high school. We went to New York city for a band trip and during our sightseeing, we went to one of the, the large, um, Catholic churches there. And I don't remember which one, but like, I just remember like walking in and being like, again, as like church of Christ kid, like our church building used to be a supermarket, like that kind of thing. And (laughs) because of when Dixie kind of set up. Yeah. And so like walking into that (laughs) and then just like that, like being the first time that like it wasn't like a history book, like actually seeing it and being in the presence. Like, it's so like it, that, what you just said, just kind of reminded me of that feeling of like you, it, again, it's like you get, you understand how like architecture can be worship, like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so for your book, not all who wander spiritually are lost you can get on Amazon, all those places. Um, um, what would you, um, what were some of your inspirations for that book? Like what kind of got your creative juices flowing? Well, I always say, and it's very true. I feel like I wrote my way into this book. Um, when I first started blogging, I had a, 
a friend who had done a little bit of blogging and some website design and stuff. And she helped me secure a domain name and set up, you know, the um, program that I was going to use to build the blog and stuff. And that morning that we met to do that in 2014, I told her, I can't imagine ever having enough information to write a book. Like, do you know how many words are in a book? Like I, that's, that's not in me. Um, and like I say, I, I don't know I, if I went back and looked probably by blog post number nine or 10, I was writing about the church. Um, one of my very early posts, um, was entitled as Amazon sell holy water. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> and it was a pushback on the fact that I love it when I go to a Catholic church and can dip my hands in the holy water, that something about that prepares me for worship, that that sets my heart to worship. And I don't experience that. And, it, you know, you go, you go into my, to my local church or the evangelical churches that I've known and there's some kind of praise and worship music playing until, you know, there might come over the loudspeaker. We will begin worship in one minute. You know, it's like you're at a basketball game or something. Um, so that's what that post was about. Uh, so it was there, you know, all along. Um, and as I gained some more and more followers on social media, I found that people wanted to have these conversations. Um, people, were really eager to respond when I would ask all the curious questions that I've always been asking um, anyway, you know, I mean, and it can be simple questions. Uh, one time I asked to people to tell me about their family Bibles that they had in their possession and people would go, you know, when I get home, I'm going to take a picture and post it. People are really, mm -hmm. um, they have a desire to talk about these things. And so I, I've just pushed into that. Um, and I think 2016 is when the idea came um, for this particular book. And then about two years, the process of getting it written and securing an agent and finding a publisher again, I knew nothing, knew no one. And 2020 is when it came out. So uh, yeah, about there's a um, festival of faith and writing that takes place at Calvin University every two years. And as it turned out, um, after I'd been writing about two months, I attended my first one. And then in 2016 and 2018, and I can look back and see very specifically where attending that festival introduced me to someone. And then the idea for the book kind of came from talks that I heard at that festival. That's been very instrumental in my writing journey. And because of COVID, there was not a 2020 mm -hmm. and not a 2021. So we're hoping mm -hmm. that next year we can get back to the festival, but mm -hmm. that's been a very, like I say, integral, but also um, fun Thing for me to to be able to do in Calvin um, University is just up the road for me in Grand Rapids, so that's been super exciting. That's awesome, Shanine. I think you got another one. Okay, 
Um, so I will, I will read another quote from your book. Um, Sometimes it was the people of God who loved me well. Other times it was the church building itself. So how would you describe the importance of a church building, especially since you've worshipped everywhere from cathedrals to cafeterias? Yeah, I almost uh, just knowing the notes as we've taken them this week, I almost said, oh, we need to get to Shanine's question now. So <laughs> good. Um, yeah, I, I don't like the phrase that you often hear church is the people, not the building. <laughs> that drives me crazy because to me, to me, it's always been both. Of course, when we go out into the world, we, we are the body of Christ and we are the church. I get the meaning of the saying, but um, going clear back to my days at Mount Olive, when I used to play church <laughs> to the Sistine Chapel um, in, in Rome, there's something about being in a sanctuary that, that is precious to me. Uh, nothing told me that more than the nine, 10 months that I wasn't able to attend church, but virtually during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, it, I kid you not that there were times that I was like, could I just text my pastor? And it, like, if I wash my hands before I go in, can I just sit in the sanctuary? Like, 10 minutes in the sanctuary would really do my heart good. Um, and yeah, when we first started attending the church we attend now, we met in the middle school cafeteria for years. And sometimes I would walk in and be like, oh my gosh, this is a, a crazy wild place during the week where all these, you know, smelly middle school kids <laughs> um, have food fights. And But on Sunday morning, you know, we, we put a cross up here or there. We put um, some some rows of chairs down and it's our sanctuary. And I, I often, I would think too of the teachers who attended, who worked at the school and then attended the church. And I'm like, wh what was that divide like for them? You know, were they able to separate what was normal during the week with um, what became the sanctuary on Sunday? So... Yeah, the, the building's really special to me. And I don't know, um, I don't know that there's a lot required to make it feel like a sanctuary. Um, I, I, I would probably agree with Cameron. The more cathedral-like it is, the more <laughs> I, I feel like there's a holy place that I've entered. But I sure have, um, I sure have felt it. Uh, in other places too, you know, in, in the most barren of wooden structures that, that were ancient. Um, it, it's been there too. Yeah. I, I'm just a fan of the sanctuary mm -hmm. and I don't, is it narthex? I don't know if there, that's actually not even um, a term that everyone in a church would call it, but for me, it's a sanctuary. <laughs> Chris Rema, y'all got another question? Not this time. <laughs> um, 
we can go ahead and let's transition into our announcements and, um, and stuff like that. So we can get to our top three and make sure we have time for that, um, that part of the cast. And so, um, we got streams, more streams going on this week. What's everyone doing? Um, I will be taking tomorrow off because we are in the middle of a historic heat wave and this room is unbearable. Mm. Good so call. catch me next week. <laughs> yeah. I will also be taking this week off because I have family coming in starting Thursday and I will be prepping my mom's place for everyone. Now that I have housing for school and have a new car sorted out, kind of, I will be back on Thursday. So <laughs> I'll be back on Thursday night. 6.30-ish, 7. I have to look <laughs> at my work schedule and when I get home. But I will be back on Thursday night with more Danger Ocean Subnautica. So. And then for me... Um, I won't be streaming on Sunday since it's the 4th of July. Um, I'll be out doing family stuff, but I'm hoping to stream either Saturday or Monday. Not sure what I'll be doing yet. So stay tuned to the discord social media stuff for what that's going to be. Um, but since I might be more God of war, just as I side quest and stuff like that, but, mm -hmm. um, not a hundred percent sure. So, um, and then our other announcement turns out we can't do the book club book that we were, thought we were going to do. So, um, cause it turns out it's not out in the United States yet. <laughs> well, in physical oh. form. Or physically. It's not physically it's not out physically in the <laughs> Yes. So. Um, not if I had it, everyone would have it. Yes. <laughs> we were, this is like super funny cause we were going to do it for June, but then it didn't come out in Canada until, um, until end of June. And then now we're like, we've learned this. And so now we can't get it physically in America yet until end of end, end of july and so keep pushing you that know, one back the august book club then you know hopefully yes. like you know <laughs> like, but um chris what are we doing instead instead we will be reading uh and uh looking at at the same time uh the mm -hmm. uh memoir the graphic memoir they called us enemy um the story uh uh of George Takei um, and uh, illustrating kind of told between Justin Isinger and Stephen Scott, but um, it is a child of his, uh, or it's a story of his childhood and his family experience with the internment camps. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to cry. Yes. Oh, so am I. I feel like it's going to hit what, my heart. What was the title one more time? They called us enemy. Wow. I ordered it today and I was just looking at the cover going, just knowing yeah. I'm going to be in tears. So the, uh, the title itself too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It definitely it, it wow. evokes a, a lot of emotion and history. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, I, I've been looking forward to this one or like, uh, um, or finishing it. I, I, I own it. <clears throat> I haven't finished it, but um, it's also just connected, like, Takei is a well-known figure in, in geek circles, uh, mm -hmm. back to mm -hmm. Star Trek, the original mm -hmm. series, and 
he he was he's broken through a lot of barriers for for Asian Americans and the fact that he experienced this is such a t such a touching <clears throat> story so mm -hmm. yeah So for this week, I feel like this the transitions from like the deep stuff to the next thing is always a struggle. Um, and so we're going to transition into our top three list of the week. Um, at Tracy's thought, we're going to do our top three books on faith that we would recommend. And so um, as always, the first rule of top threes are that there are no rules. And so um, as we go, of course, um, feel free to share, Tracy, what you think, why you picked that, um, as much or as little detail as you want, and then... Um, we'll just kind of go around one, um, one each and we'll go do three cycles around. So, so why don't you start us off? All right. Well, thanks for letting me pick. It was fun to come <laughs> up with the topic. And if I show, um, if I show this as an upside down, I mean, you know, like mirror image. No, that, that looks right. Okay. You are not mirrored. So I wrote about this book in my book and it, it's just a benchmark for me. Um, Girl Meets God by Lauren Winner. It is a memoir. Um, Lauren grew up Jewish um, and a, in a pretty active Jewish home and converted to um, Christianity at mm, 20s, I think, if I remember correctly. And so the book is about her early days of Christianity, um, stepping into the Episcopalian tradition and dealing with her family and her friends who didn't under fully understand that. Um, she's a beautiful writer. I've um, enjoyed all of her books and actually in December had the opportunity to attend a writing conference virtually and Lauren was our teacher. So oh. had a little bit of fandom going on. I was a little starstruck, <laughs> but I, I held my own. <laughs> so that's my first one. Emma, what's your number one? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to preface this with I'm not a huge nonfiction writer. So I literally could not think of any books that would typically fall under this category that I've read, aside from the Bible. So similarly, I am going to uh, go through and give you all my top three Narnia books. Because I feel like that still totally fits the counts. brief, <laughs> still fits the brief, but also like helps me grow when I was a kid in the faith because it's, it's like fiction, but also like faith. Mm -hmm. So number one is Magician's Nephew, because I always liked the idea of having houses connected with like my best friend and, and we could like sneak back and forth and like talk to each other and stuff. Um and then wander off into a magic world with magic rings and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So um, along with having like some amount of biblical biblical theme to it. So great pick, Shanine. Okay. What's your number number one. So as as I mentioned earlier, I also have not until this year read a lot of nonfiction. So my pool was not as big to pick from as you would think. But my first one is The Call by Oz Guinness. Um, I think 
call the calling, like the calling on your life is kind of, I don't know, a bit of a hot topic in evangelical circles, at least, but it always seems to revolve around career and like what you're called to do with your life. And that is not what the church or what the Bible says about calling. So it was a really good book talking about how our primary call is to God. And yeah, highly recommend it. Chris, what's your number one? My number one is that old classic, Mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis. That's why I'm, po- I'm throwing it out there first before someone else. <laughs> accidentally yeah, really, course. you beat everyone to it. That's but, okay. And I was like, I was a little worried. Because <laughs> I'm going forth. Um, but uh, obviously, like the history of it uh, kind of started off with uh, C.S. Lewis, BBC Talks. Um, with Oxford Radio, and uh, eventually became this published work, and I, I, it's, it poses so many good questions and gives a lot of language to things that I feel like we didn't really have, or you may not have. Um, and I think C.S. Lewis just does such a good job at providing language for describing aspects of our faith, whether or not you fully agree with, um. The theology he proposes but he just does such a great job with that and it's i think i definitely think it's a must read um um and at least exploring your faith even if you don't agree with everything in it but i agree so my first pick this is my anonymous black cover book um, and this is the only one of the three I'm going to recommend that I could actually find. Um, but, um, uh, so my first pick is Jesus, a theography, um, by Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola. Um, it's a book that I got for free at a youth ministry conference and, um, I really enjoyed it. It's one that like, um, it's very classic me in terms of how I take notes in nonfiction with like things underlined, bracketed pages, dog-eared. There's a random sticky note in here that I'm not really sure what that's doing. Cause like, there's not things written on it. It's just like a random sticky note on a page. So like, I don't know if I, if the camera, so like, I assume that was relevant at some point in time. Um, maybe I used this as an illustration once or referenced it, but it's a very good book. It, it centers on the idea of a theological biography of Jesus. Um, so those ideas of connecting um, things from the garden to revelation, um, and how all of these things have, and will point to Jesus. Um, and it gets a lot into the idea of, um, of some of the symbols through the people in the Bible. Um, so like one of the most, um, common ones that we see referenced elsewhere is the idea of Jesus being the second Adam, the, 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 the true Adam, the one that actually, um, lives in harmony with God. And so they go into that, like that type of illustrations quite a bit, um, with various people. So I just like that you got a hardcover book at a conference. Yeah. Um, yeah. also like shout out, I think like, I, I want to say what? it was Frank Viola. That was the speaker and they straight up if, um, they, they were selling books at the conference and I guess like legitimately right before he went up, 
he worked with his publisher and got them to agree to give everyone a copy of the book that had like just come out or something like that. And if, and like, if you had bought the book at the conference, Mm -hmm. they would either refund you or give you another one of his books for free. Um, and so I was like, wow, (laughs) good on you. Yeah. So and hardcover. Yeah, and hardcover. Like it's yeah, it's, it's and it's like a serious book. Oh, like we're not that. talking like a, a a twenty pager. Right. Like, uh, like we're talking about three hundred pages. So like it's a, it's a good book. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Tracy, we'll kick it back up to you. Back to me. All right. This one. Soil and sacrament. Um, I. I heard him speak at the first festival of faith and writing that I went to. And one of the, I buy a lot of books and I read (laughs) a lot of books. And so this was one of the first ones that as soon as I left his talk, I went right to the bookstore and purchased this book. Um, Knew I had to have it. So intriguing. He went, um, He's a professor at Duke University and big into um, stewardship of the earth. And he went to three or four, four or five um, different places who were doing community gardens or even um, creating like a a common community um, to live in and wrote just like it says about the soil and the sacrament wrote about um, when when he went and stayed with some monks for a time, he wrote about the schedule of a monk, what it is like to get up at three or four in the morning, Mm -hmm. say your first prayers, go through your day, um, retire at seven. And if I remember correctly, it's been a few years. They kept um, that whole entire time he was there. They kept offering him beer (laughs) that they had made. And he was like, how do you guys get up at 3 a.m. whenever you've mm-hmm. had beer all day long? So um, some humor within the book too, but yeah, an excellent read. Emma, what's your number two? Number two, back on the Narnia trend, <laughs> is the classic and most well-known Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, because... I assume pretty much everyone out there at least knows the storyline of that one. Um, Because if you know the general life story of Jesus, you know a great big chunk of what happens, or at least conflict within Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Because C.S. Lewis was very straightforward and to the point with his... um, his Proselytizing? (laughs) Fantasy (laughs) version of the Bible. Um, but it's one of my favorites and near and dear to my heart because my dad read the books to me as a kid and that's where we started. So that was the first one he wrote and it very much helped. Like it, I'm a very imaginative person. I'm very much a daydreamer. So that one, the witch in the wardrobe put the whole events of like Jesus dying on the cross for us and all of those things into a context that I as a kid was able to process and understand and actively engage with 
um, mm. as well without being bored. Like <laughs> it gave me a way to just, I like even back then saw the parallels between the Narnia and the gospel and you know, all of that. But I was still like, Narnia is going to be a little more fun for me. Cause I can imagine myself in that scenario of like being Lucy going, why did Aslan give himself up? And like for, you know, my brother who was, who went against everything. Um, and it was more relatable. So that was a scenario for me that like the books just helped me like relate it more to my mm-hmm. own life. Okay, I was gonna put in a Chronicles of Narnia book, but we'll see what (laughs) Emma's last one is. And if she doesn't take mine, I'll throw it out there. But um, so my my number two is Paul by N.T. Wright. It is a biography of Paul and I don't know, it's really cool to have his life laid out chronologically. Um, I guess getting more of like the history of what his growing up life would have been like um, and what missions in that time would have looked like and what Paul really thinks of women and things like that as well. Sounds like an expose. (laughs) (laughs) Paul exposed. (laughs) That one's not very old, right? A couple years. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Pretty new. I've heard good things about it. I read a, I read a different book that um, was like Paul's, Paul's sermons and that kind of stuff. And like you said, getting to the heart of what, what Paul really meant. (laughs) <laughs> and mm-hmm. not what we've distorted it to mean um but yeah i'm sure nt Wright handled it beautifully yeah it's good it's very thick and very intense so it, <laughs> it takes a while to get through but it's yeah. worth it yeah yeah i feel like that describes every nt Wright book yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you can't read him past either yeah it's like, no. i feel like he's written more than we actually have scripture in the bible <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my second book is Blue Like Jazz mm-hmm. by Donald Miller. Um, I just fell in love with this book, the way it approaches it, um, approaches uh, kind of telling this this story while it's semi-autobiographical, but like just this collect through this collection. Um, and I really like the subtitle of Non-Religious Thoughts on Christian Spirituality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what it is. Um, and just the way that kind of, I mean, the, the perspective interacting with secularism for one, but also dealing with uh, uh, like wandering much like, like Tracy's book here um, and rediscovering uh, a faith and how it, kind of grows from there and it's like it's more strengthened through that that experience as a result and yeah i really like this book 
it was pretty revolutionary at the time mm -hmm. too. I think, you know, it, it wasn't, um, I mean, today memoir is kind of popular, if you will, it's more, much more common. And back then I think that was pretty earth shattering that somebody could be that honest mm -hmm. about, uh, where, where their faith had taken them. Right. Yeah. yeah and I, I agree. And whereas like now we, yeah, it's like more commonplace because I feel like we need to see that vulnerability in, in when we're, we're seeing those stories, we need to see that you're not just, you don't just grow up in the church and it's just perfect through life. I mean, yeah. some people do experience that. Sure. But like, I don't think they do. <laughs> I haven't met one yet. Right. <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's like, a, it's like 0.2%. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, just seeing that is like, okay, it's, it's, it, it almost gave so because like in contrast to kind of perceptions of the church, it provided just that contrast that people are broken. <laughs> yeah. And it's good to see that and acknowledge that. That's wonderful. Yeah. So for me, um, like I said, I can't find the next two books, but I have a stand-in <laughs> book. Um, and so my stand-in book is Sticky Faith um, by Kara Powell and Friends. Um, and so the book I want to talk about is Growing Young, um, which is kind of their like their um, their spiritual follow-up um, to the ideas of Sticky Faith. Um, and so it's, um, the subtitle is six essential strategies to help young people discover and love your church. Mm. Um, so this is a one that came out when I was a youth minister and this was one that like, I, I very much kind of latched on to a lot of these ideas, um, as I was like, you know, 40 years younger than the other people that I was working with on staff and those kinds of things. And, um, and so this is definitely a book that I really loved. And um, one of the things that I liked about it, and I, I kind of, this is one of the things I, ca I called out about your book as well, Tracy, is that like, I have the tendency to get, um, to get cynical. Um, and so I always really appreciate when people can be, um, can be critical without being cynical. Um, and that's one of the things that, that I saw in your book. That's one of the things that um, I remember really liking about this is that it's, these are not like, if you don't do these things, young people are never going to attend your church, right. but it's more of, these are six things that they've seen through their research at looking at churches that are helping the next generation maintain their faith and grow their faith. Um, and so I really loved that and had a great impact on me, um, in that regard. Um, I also got to like work a little bit with their publisher, um, and made some copies for some of the other preachers in the area of like one of the chapters because we did a, a monthly preachers meeting and um, I got with their permission um, I got the ability to make copies to share with those um, with those other preachers and so big nice. shout out to them for that so yeah very cool all right well I I'm after Emma gave her Narnia spiel mm -hmm. I kind of wish I had picked a fiction book I realized that I picked all three memoir so that's kind of boring. I'm sorry. It is the majority of what I read. Um, every now and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I have got to pick up a fiction book. Like I can't, my brain is done. Um, but, but I'm the opposite um, in that I read mainly nonfiction. Here's my last um, book 
Bread and Wine by Shauna Nequist. Mm -hmm. um, it's silly to try to come up with five of your favorite authors, but if I did, Shauna mm -hmm. would be one of my top five. Um, she just, everything she writes is beautiful. She used to blog quite a bit too, and her blog posts were always beautiful. Um, and it, what I really like about this book is that they're um, standalone essays. And I didn't realize you could do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, wow, you can write a whole book and it can, like you can pull one and use it just like you said, Cameron, like just as discussion in a group as its own uh, standalone essay. And then it has recipes in it as well, which has been super fun. I give books like this often at like um, wedding and baby showers and stuff. And so, yeah, just one of those books that I was like, I'd like to write a book like that myself someday. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Bread and wine. As food in the title, I'm down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Relatable. Mm -hmm. So okay, my yeah. no yeah. pressure. What's no the pressure. last? What's the last Narnia? <laughs> Don't surprise us. My my last option, which is the last book of the entire series, the last battle, because it once again put put the Bible into a context for a child to understand. It makes it considerably less terrifying. And that is it is essentially the, the end of the world. It's not really the end of the world, but um, it's just basically it, Narnia ends, but they move on to Aslan's country, which is essentially heaven and it's just puts the con that context of like we're all gonna Jesus is gonna return to earth and like take us all back up to heaven eventually like in in a context that um kids can understand and it does see the return of Peter Edmund and Lucy um in in the series and it just is it brings back again as I was saying for Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe sort of puts that sort of Christian faith in a context that is a little bit more interesting for kids um, and definitely drew me in and started building up that faith and that sort of looking to the future um, instead of like, oh, it's not all sad that one thing is ending. There's more to look forward to in the future. So. Mm -hmm. I think so many could echo mm -hmm. your your feelings toward yeah toward Narnia. <laughs> okay, Emma didn't say mine, <laughs> but I'll save it for post chat because I still want to mention this other <laughs> one too. <laughs> there, um, loopholes. Um, <laughs> A Circle of Quiet by Madeline Langle. It's not a theology book. It is more of a memoir of her her life and mainly her writing life. Um, but I just love how faith is woven into her life, even when she wouldn't have considered herself to be a faithful person it was still very much a part of her life. And I think I love how 
honestly, she just talks about faith and like, it doesn't have to be a, a scholarly discussion. It can be a gritty life discussion. Mm. It's good. My last book um, is technically not a Christian book, um, but it does explore a lot of Christianity, which is uh, Living Buddha, Living Christ by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and so uh, uh, Thich is a Vietnamese uh, Buddhist monk and teacher uh, that and in this he kind of explores a lot of uh, the commonalities about love and compassion between the uh, Buddhist teachings and Christian faith um, and he explore he does explore it with other Christian people and it's a it, it, I like it because it's kind of an outside perspective of us and I think that's also really important Chris, have you heard of um, the book Holy Envy by Barbara Brown Taylor? I have not. Holy she is a world religion professor, I want to say. And what she does with her classes, it's a small college. She will take them to visit a, a Buddhist temple. Um, it's outside of Atlanta because that's where they go to see a lot of these things. But that is a lot of what she has found too, in that exploring all of these different faiths other than Christianity, her Christianity has become a, a precious and um, more mysterious thing to her. Yeah, you'd probably enjoy it. I probably would. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm ordering it now. <laughs> yeah. By She's one good. click. <laughs> <laughs> so my last pick um that I feel like I probably loaned this book to someone and then hopefully they loaned it to someone uh, and hopefully the they loaned it. That's the, the that's yeah. how I like to do a lot of like nonfiction is I, I put my name in the back the date I finished it and then I hand it to other people and basically give them the same the same thing like tracy i'll be giving your book to my mom next time i see her oh, and kind of that going to be that exact same thing of yeah. um, mark it up put your name in the back either give it back to me or pass it to someone else um and so um this book is love does by bob goff um, yes. uh, another great um memoir memories nonfiction. Yes. i do but not very often <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, Bob Goff is famous in the world of Young Life, so yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, I probably have like uh, twenty copies of this yeah. in my shed, yeah. <laughs> just around somewhere from because of Young Life. Like it's just because of Young Life, literally. Yeah, like I'm sure yeah. we bought hundreds, and I just have twenty left. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are also coming from great recommendations from them as well. But um, it's a great book, very memoir. It's. In some ways, it, it kind of reminds me um, of Blue Like Jazz in the sense that it, it, it is looking at the ideas of everything can be spiritual. And so it's not necessarily that normal church book in the same way I think um, um, Blue Like Jazz wasn't. Um, maybe not as like edgy 
as Donald Miller is. Um, but um, Bob Goff is great. And I love the, um, I, I appreciate an author that doesn't overstay their welcome um, when they yeah. write. And one, like, just like looking back through um, the, like the chapter lengths, um, some of the chapters in Love Does are like three pages. And yeah. I have a lot of respect for an author that's just like, you know what, here's the thought, deal with it, let's move on. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I just love that. And because um, uh, for me, that helps me process. And it's so that's not why I like in like T-Right. Right, yes, not like in T-Right. Um, and so, um, and then, yeah, and I love how um, Bob Goff uses the word whimsy a lot. Um, and so I really like that idea that, that faith and life in Christ and living out, um, the command to love others can be whimsical. It doesn't have to be this, um, things set with rules following the normal procedures. It can be these fun little things as much as it can also be taking down like human trafficking rings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it's really cool. Do you think Annie F. Downs has had Bob Goff on her show? If she hasn't, I'm sure that there has been an attempt. Like it, 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 yeah. Whimsy, right? Like, that, does Bob Goff do a lot right of like podcast stuff? Yeah, like, he's I, been I, on Sadie Robertson's yeah. twice, I think. Oh, okay. He was on episode 71 of That Sounds Fun. <laughs> oh, you're thing, so fast. My favorite thing about <laughs> Bob is he's he was a lawyer. <laughs> and he yeah. writes this book <laughs> just yep. like like you would the, the, it does not compute yeah <laughs> <laughs> so those are our recommendations for our top three books um, on faith that we'd recommend listeners let good. us know yeah it was a great list yeah yeah um, Listeners, let us know your picks, or if you have questions, feel free to reach out. Um, next week, we'll have a top three. Um, not sure what it's going to be yet, but we'll, we'll have one. Um, and Tracy, thank you so much for joining us this week. It yeah. has been a pleasure. This um, was fun. It, I, seriously, at times felt like we were seated just around a table. <laughs> you know, yeah, very fun. Thank you for having me. And for our listeners, if they want to connect with you, I know you went through some earlier, but I just want to give you another place. Where can our listeners find you if they want to connect? Yeah, on, on Twitter and Pinterest, I'm Traces of Faith. On Facebook and Instagram, I'm Traces of Faith blog. Find my book wherever fine books are sold. And my blog is tracesoffaith.com. And we'll also make sure to drop all those in the show notes, um, listeners, so you can find those down there. Um, and then listeners, you know, you can find us all the normal places, one geek 411 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can join the discord server, shoot us an email, um, hang out with us on Twitch and check out videos on YouTube, rate, subscribe, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and check out our website, onegeek411.com. Then of course you can find us at our personal social medias. I'm Kimar Whittle. I am, I am not prepared with an eye. I'm the Hoot and Howl on Twitter and Hoot and Howl Tales, T-A-L-E-S on Instagram. And I'm Not So Foreign. That's N-O-T-S-O-4-E-I-G-N. And it's been a great week. Wash your hands. Read a book. Night shoes. <laughs> <laughs>